you have your Bibles this evening, and you would, find with me 1 Kings chapter 3. And 1 Kings chapter 3 is one of the most famous Old Testament passages of Scripture because um, King Solomon asks for wisdom, and then uh, he uses that wisdom, and the story of uh, threatening to cut a child in half is legendary. It's a uh, a story that you will see in literature and other places outside of the Word of God. And most of you are extremely good Bible scholars, and you study and you learn things, but I want you to know that as I have prepared for this sermon, there have been some things that have absolutely blessed my heart and have just absolutely uh, humbled me and uh, what goes on here today. But I do want to clarify today, since something was brought to my attention um, when you are praying and driving, please keep your eyes open. So, and uh, <laughs> I, uh, I just wanted to pass that along. But uh, uh, we're going through a series on leading in a broken world. And I don't think I need to repeat to you the introduction from the last eight weeks. Um, but leading is hard. Uh, leading as a father, as a husband, as a mother leading in your place of employment, it's difficult because we are dealing with not only the sin in our own lives, but in the sin of the lives of other people. People that don't think the same way we are, they don't maybe aren't as far along on the spiritual journey as we are, even in church, or maybe have no relationship with the Lord at all, and so their version of right and ours are totally different. But tonight as we come to this passage of Scripture, I want you to just think about a couple different things as we go through this tonight. I want you to really think about the people who are involved because every story, every situation that you will face will involve people. Whether it's the raising of your children, the loving your grandchildren, the relationships at work. But not only will there always be people involved and you say, well, what if I'm just dealing with myself? Well, you're a person. Uh, regardless of what the yahoos that think their cats think, you are a person created in the image of God. You say, Jake, that might upset them. That is okay. Um, the people involved. But then also you need to know that there are problems that need to be solved. You say, well, Jake, not by myself. It's just me. I can promise you if you spend time with yourself long enough, you will have problems. There will be things in your own spiritual battle that you're fighting, only your struggles that you are carrying, but I also want you to think about this, that the God will provide. And so those three things tonight, as we go through these texts, I really want you to think about that, the people, the problems, and that God provides. Because tonight, I really do believe that God wants to set the captive free. I really do believe God wants to give sight to the blind. I, I don't believe that God wants people to live defeated and discouraged and downtrodden. We serve a God who is able, and while we might go through the valleys and while we might go through challenges, and the Bible makes it abundantly clear that we will all go through trials and tribulations, the Lord wants to be involved in our life. And so if you would pray with me, and then we'll go through this wonderful passage of Scripture. Father, tonight I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love and mercy and grace Lord, I thank you for these men and women who so faithfully come to hear your word preached, worship together. And Lord, I don't take that for granted, knowing that most places, no matter where you go in this country, Lord, you will not see 
what is happening tonight. And so, Lord, I thank you for the group of people that you have sent here. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak and deal with each and every one of us tonight. And Lord, I ask it all in Jesus' precious name. So if you're taking notes, I told you what the first point was going to be, the involved. Now I want you to think about this. King Solomon has asked for wisdom to know what to do, know how to judge. And the next thing that he does is he doesn't take wisdom and hide it under a bush. He begins to sit in his courtroom and says, if you have a problem, if you have an issue, if you have a situation, bring it to me. And you could have had all kinds of stories. You probably had people that were fighting over business. You probably had people that were fighting over other things. But don't miss the significance of him getting wisdom first two people that the king sees. Now, two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. I don't want you to miss the significance of that tonight. Bible study teachers. It wasn't two religious fanatics who had dedicated themselves to the life of the temple. It wasn't two of the religious priests. Hold themselves for sex. First, that the wisdom that God gave is used upon. You say, kind of crude. I didn't write it. But I think there's a reason to write it. Because, friends, what we see would have been two people who would have been the most despicable, unloved, unwelcomed, unaccepted people in all Israel. And who do they have access to? Now don't miss this. It's about time for some of you to get happy. The king. And it is us, because I don't know if you know this or not, but even we might not acknowledge that we were sinful, we not, not acknowledge that we're despicable, we might not honestly say that we have a problem. In the New Testament, we see this very same rejoices. That God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. That's why Isaiah chapter 5 says the borders of hell are always expanding. And you say, what does that mean? This is what I believe it means. You can disagree with me. It doesn't bother me that you're wrong. It doesn't at all. I lose no sleep over it. That hell was created for a specific number of things. For Satan, for the beast for the Antichrist, for the false prophet, angel that rebelled in heaven. That's what it was created for. It was created big enough for each and every one of them. But when a person rejects the free gift of salvation that God has offered, when they have committed the unpardonable sin and they are sent there, that verse is talking about that it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger. That's what it says. Why? Because God has a desire to save sinful people. And friends, as a church, we can never lose that compassion. We can never lose that desire that we should be praying for the lost. We should be sharing the good news of Jesus 
with the lost. We should be going into the shut-ins. We ought to be going into the school-aged children. We ought to be going to the wrong side of the tracks. We ought to be about reaching the lost for Jesus. And friends, we used to call them soul winners, and we know we can't win the souls. But it was meant to be used of a person who was not willing to share the gospel, to go to people, to talk about Jesus, to tell you about the goodness of God. And friends, what this church needs, what this pastor needs to be, is a person concerned about souls. I don't mean Facebook sharing Bible verses, that's great. Share them all day long. But what you need to be doing is sharing them as you go. Sharing them as you visit. Sharing them as you work. Because why? Those people that are broken and hurting, what if they were the first two in line? Friends, what if someone told those two ladies, you know, the king could solve your problem. I mean, how would two prostitutes know that King Solomon was opening up his court to take inquiries? They had to hear about it from someone. Now don't miss this with me. You're saying, Jake, you're reading into it. They weren't all knowing. They probably weren't hanging out in the palace. They might have been, but it would have been for the wrong reasons. All right, it doesn't say that. But someone told them that the king could solve their problem. And friends, one of the greatest songs that was ever written was thank you for giving to the Lord. The guy that sang it went way off the deep end, but it's one of my favorite songs. Can you just imagine... Who is the one that told them that the king could solve their problem? And just imagine when you get to glory someday and someone says, you're the one that told me the king of kings could solve my problem. Anyway, that makes me much happier that makes you, but that's okay. The second thing I want to show you tonight is the problem to solve. So why do these two young ladies come? And one woman said in verse 17, O oh my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house. And I gave birth while she was in the house. And then it happened the third day after I had given birth that these women also gave birth. Now I want to stop right there because the secular society that we live in would say that these women didn't need these kids. They weren't born in the right circumstances. These would have been two children that would have been the product, the product and result of the sinful relations. They'd have said, well, it wasn't fair to her. They ought to kill it. But they both gave birth. There wasn't a husband involved. There probably wasn't a proud mother-in-law there. Let me hold the newborn baby. Most likely these two women, because of what they have done, would have no contact with their family. No contact with their friends. Most likely, if Bible commentators can agree, the one woman probably helped deliver the other woman's. And the other woman probably helped deliver hers a few days later. Why? Because no religious leader is coming to help you. No trained doctor who is of any standing is going into a house like that. And so here are these two hopeless, broken situation. And they both give birth. And look what it says in verse 19. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. Now this does not mean in any shape, form, or fashion that she intended to do this. It doesn't mean that she purposely harmed her baby. 
It just means that for whatever reason, she slept on the child most likely. Now, there are some people who have differences of agreement, but I believe that's reading too much into the text. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I had examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, No, but the living one is my son, and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, No, but the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. I don't want you to miss the significance of this. For whatever the reason was, for whatever the situation was, both of these mothers wanted a live child. No matter how wicked and sinful their situation was, no matter how hopeless it was, for the profession that they were in, it would have been easier not to have a child. But yet, no matter what it was, they saw the value in having life. Friends, I want you to know something, and this is going to come across to us heart, and you could fire me at any time. When you get to the point where you think it is all right to murder a baby, you are at the end of the slippery slope of a wicked heart. Romans chapter 1 talks about the slippery slope and what it ends up with. Homosexuality, murder, and friends, that's where you have to be. But, I said all that because I want to pivot. Don't forget that there are some young women who are just terrified. Friends, you can be against murder, and you can be pro-life, and you can still love the people that have sinned and fallen short. You can still have compassion and mercy and grace. But don't ever, ever think that God's okay with the murder of an unborn child or a newborn child. Now, you say, okay, Jake, now you've made us all mad. That's okay. doesn't bother me at all. So look what it says here in verse 23. And the king said, the one says, this is my son who lives, and your son is the dead one. And the other says, no, but your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. Then this king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king, and the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to one and half to the other. Now we read that and think, wow, that is just amazing. If you know the end of the story. If you don't know the end of the story, and you're honest, you're reading that going, what in the heck just happened? See, we have read the Bible so many times for most of us that we don't forget that these people are experiencing it as they go. They don't understand what the next choice is going to be. But can you imagine what that would have been like if you're sitting here with this child and you're arguing and you're bickering and you hear the king said, cut the child in half. That would almost be like if you had to hear a doctor come and say to you that your wife is not going to survive the delivery of this child. You choose. I can't imagine that. 
I, I pray that you or I never have to hear those words from a doctor. But listen to what the Bible says in John chapter 7, verse 24. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Friends, you and I need to know the Bible tells us never not to judge. It tells us to be careful how we judge. It tells us to know what measure of judgment we use will be used on us. It means to let God deal with us and then we can judge rightfully. You see, so many times we look at the difficult situations in life, the painful situations in life, and say, I can't speak to that. But if the Word of God speaks to something, Speak it. If the Word of God proclaims something, proclaim it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21 says it like this, Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. You say, how could you look at a situation like this and find out what's good? How do you test this? How do you evaluate this? It's kind of like this many times in life. Have you ever told two people two different stories to find out which one is telling your secrets? Now, I know you've never have because you have wonderful friends and you've never been that person because you would never do that to someone else. But it's always funny to see it in a movie. It's kind of like the game when you start by telling a person one thing and there's like nine people and then you tell the next person, the next person, and what you started saying was the bus is brown and it ends up with your back is brown or something, you know. I don't know. It gets twisted. It gets confused. And when you deal with situations that the Word of God does not speak to specifically, how do you make decisions based upon that? A couple ways that I want to give you. The first is you pray. You say, Jake, I've never had God audibly speak to me. Maybe you have. But tonight what I can tell you is many times God will shut a door that He doesn't want you to go through, and He will open a door that He does. That's not the only way. The second way is you need to know who is giving you that opportunity. Are they a person who loves God? Are they a person who serves God? Are they a person who lives faith? Don't take marriage advice from the harlot. Don't take marriage advice from the bankrupt person. Look who is giving you the opportunity. And third and finally, admit if you get it wrong. You're going to make decisions that, oh, I shouldn't have done that, or man, I wish I would have done that, or man, I, I wish I would have taken that opportunity. You say, not me, Jake. Every decision I've ever made has been perfect. I would like to say that I believe you are a not truthful person because people have said calling you a liar from the pulpit is not nice. So I will try to do better. But you're going to make mistakes. You're going to do things that you wish you hadn't. As a pastor, I look back over my 12 years here and think, what was I thinking? Believed people that I wish I would have never believed. Seen things that I wish I never would have seen. Said things that I wish I never would have said. Got involved in arguments that I never wish I would have got involved with. Look back and think, Lord, I need you. Repentance. As a husband, I look at our marriage and I think, shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have done that. I was right, but still shouldn't have said it. And I have to ask for forgiveness often. Why? Because there are some things when the Word of God does not speak 
specifically to, you still have to test. You still have to decide. You cannot stand still. You must move forward. And so when God gives you opportunities, even if they're difficult, even if they're challenging, trust Him in the decisions. And the third and final thing here as we see the sword being brought to King Solomon, starting in verse 26. Then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king. The Bible already says that it knew who that was. Why is that? Because God knew whose child that was. These two ladies might have fought over it. King Solomon might not have known, but God knew who that child belonged to. Friends, tonight I want you to know that if you belong to him, he knows it. You might have found yourself in some messy places, some sinful situations, some arguments that you wish you wouldn't have found yourself in. But you know this one thing. The king knows his own. So she yearned with compassion for her son, and she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means kill him. Now you would think that would be enough. You would think the other lady would say, I won. I got what I wanted. But look what happens. But the other said, let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. So the king answered and said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is the mother. Now, I have thought about that statement a lot. The woman got what she wanted. Why didn't she just keep her mouth shut? This is what I believe. I believe when you have hardened your heart to the things of God, even when you get what you think you want, you don't know if you really want it. And most people, even Christians today, think they want so many things from God, but yet their heart's wrong when they ask Him. And so even if God gives it to them, they're like, no, I don't think I want that. But friends, we need to be people that, God, we know what we're asking for. God, we know that we want this. I heard a statement one time from a lady who had adopted some children. Adopted two. She told the story pretty much every time I ever saw her. She said, as we adopted our child, the judge told us something that has always stood with me. She said, you can disown your two biological children. You can cut them out of the will. You can have nothing to do with them. But the moment that you adopt these two, you cannot do that. They're yours. For the good, for the bad, they're yours. Friends, that's why Jesus told us to count the cost. To know that when we put our hands on the plow, that only those that are worthy will continue on. They won't turn and go back. Tonight I ask you, with whatever God has given you, whatever challenges you are facing, whatever difficulties you are going through, I promise you that they are real. And I believe with all of my heart that they are overwhelming. But tonight, what you ask for, believe that God can do it. Because this woman asked for a child, and when the other mom said, you can have it, she says, no. 
Maybe she just did this because she wanted to hurt the other woman. We don't know. Maybe she was more popular in this trade than the other woman. Maybe something had happened in the past. We have no idea why this woman did this, but what we know is that it was wicked, it was wrong, but yet even in all of it, God prevailed. God shone light into the darkness. And when I read this story, it gives me hope because I've done some dumb things and put myself in some dumb positions. And I've had to look at God and say, Lord, if you don't show up, nothing can change. And God, if you don't move, I totally deserve it. I know you've never been there, but I have. Sometimes God's shown up and shown out, and I've looked back and thought, God, I didn't deserve you to bless me this way. And other times I've had to live through the consequences of my sin, and I've thought, Lord, I deserve this as well. But friends, what I want you to see from this is that even though this was a terrible situation, even though it was a heartbreaking situation, even though it had a happy ending, verse 28 tells us the real reason that it all went on. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. It brought God glory. And friends, tonight I want you to know this. Um, The messes that we put ourselves in sometimes, if we'll repent and let God really work, that will be the result. Look what God has done. There is nowhere in this passage of Scripture that says this woman ever repented for being a harlot. There's nowhere in this passage of Scripture that ever said the woman who tried to lie about her son ever repented. It doesn't say that these women's spiritual life ever changed. But what it does say is that God was glorified. And friends, in your life tonight, I want you to know something. If God can get glory in this story, uh, come on now, just a few minutes longer, He can get glory in your story. You say, oh, Jake, you just, you just don't know. Because some of you are looking at me like, well, I would never be in a story like this. Good for you. But your story might look different. Your story might be one where the fear and anxiety of life has crippled you. Maybe tonight your marriage has fallen apart between, before your eyes and your story looks different. Maybe tonight your pride and self-righteousness is going to bring you to ruin. Friends, I want you to know something. If God can get glory in this story without repentance, just imagine what He can do if we'll repent. Just imagine how God can work if we'll just admit that, Lord, we've sinned. Lord, I... Imagine what God could do if I'm just willing to say, Lord, I have failed you. Matthew, the 10th chapter, verse 16, tells it like this. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of the wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We're going into some tough places as Christians. We're going to be in some challenging times, and we are to be like sheep in the midst of wolves. What do wolves do to sheep? They murder them. They eat them. 
Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Tonight, I want you to say, quit going through life without knowing the things of God. Know what the Word of God says. Live what the Word of God says. Be a sheep in the midst, but be wise. Psalms 119 verse 125 says it like this, I am your servant, give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. You have to want God to give you wisdom. You have to want God to give you understanding. That's why I get so frustrated and I have no compassion when I hear this. Well, I just don't believe in Sunday night church. I don't guess everybody is as wicked as I am because I really need Sunday night church. I need men's Bible study. And if you didn't sign up for men's Bible study, before you leave tonight, you can still get in the group, all right? Tonight. I need that. I need someone to look at me and go, that was stupid, Jake. You should have never said that to your wife. No one has said that yet, but it's going to be coming, I promise you. I need that. I need Wednesday night Bible study. I need prayer meeting. I need Sunday morning. I need that. Because why? I don't want to lead my family as a blind sheep in a world full of wolves. I don't want to be the spiritual leader of my household blind, deaf, and dumb to the things of God. And what is happening is we are living without God's Word, without God's leadership, without times of prayer, and Satan devours our family, and then we step back and say, why did this happen? Same thing for church. Brian and I, we talked Sunday night after the, the service, and it was amazing, it was wonderful, it was powerful, it was a blessing, but we said we've got to be on guard. If you think Satan is going to let something like that go without opposition, you are mistaken. And friends, you're saying, Jake, I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm here on a Sunday night. I've been trying to suffer through your teaching on Wednesday night. I'm trying, Jake, but it feels like it's just going worse for me. That's because Satan never quits. He is never going to look at your family and say, you've arrived. You're 80 years old. I don't tempt 80-year-old people anymore. I don't tempt 90-year-old people anymore. Oh, you made it to 100. It's just a cakewalk the rest of the way. No, your sins change. I see a lot of older people, nursing homes and hospitals that were strong, faithful Christians. But because their health has failed, depression, discouragement, loneliness, the feeling of not having any value sets in. Friends, that's not just because they're old. That's because Satan knows how to work. It's just like the young girl that's 15, 16, 17, 18 year old that's beautiful, that's made in the image of God can listen to the lies of Satan and say, well, I'm too fat or I'm not pretty enough or I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good enough and they struggle with eating disorders and cutting themselves and all these things. You say, well, it's just because they're youth, they'll grow out of it. No, Satan knows and it will devour them. That's why it's our job as the spiritual leaders of our homes and our families and as our churches to say, God, give us understanding. God, let us be guides. What did Jesus say? The blind can't lead the blind. Friends, I know that you can get spiritual wisdom from other places and listening to me preach. I know that totally. But I'm telling you, God blesses when His people gather. 
whether it's in Sunday school, whether it's in Bible study, whether it's in church, whether it's in prayer meeting, whether it's in you and your wife reading the Word of God together, whether it's you and your children reading the Word of God together, God will bless it. And you say, well, what kind of blessings will I get? This is the only one I can promise you, that you won't be blind. That's the only one I can promise you. The rest of them are over and abundant there. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be blind. Most of you remember Sister Shirley Moss. And most of you remember Shirley lost her sight over the years. And, and, uh, and uh, Mac, Mac, uh, Macular, wasn't it? She could see just a little bit in the middle. And you would see her at 80-some years old walking the streets of McLeansburg going like this. With her cane, just like this. Because she could just see a little bit. She'd walk uptown, she'd walk home, she'd walk to the store, she'd walk back, and I'd think, what in the world? And she said something one time that has always reminded me. She said, Jake, as long as I have breath, I'm not going to lie down and quit. She used to walk the halls, and she'd come by my office and say, I've just walked my first mile. Pastor, do you want to join me? No, love you, but no. She did. She walked all over this building. Daryl would be working in the food pantry. She'd just be scurrying around not thinking, walk a mile for me. Friends, tonight I want you to know the spiritual challenge of leading our families is greater than spiritually walking. And the only reason you have to be spiritually blind is because you choose to be. Why? Because God has given us His Word. It is a lamp unto my it's there, but I don't have to close it if I'll just open it. Tonight, I pray that's you. I pray that if you're in that situation like the harlot, that you'll know that God wants to love and work in your life. He will save you. He will save you completely. Tonight, if you're here and you're saying, Jake, I'm trying to live my life for the Lord, but oh, it is hard. Tonight, you come to him. Maybe tonight you're here and you're saying, Jake, I've been through the valleys. I've been through the storms. I'm in a really good place right now. And you need to be praying that God would keep your eyes open to the temptations and snares that Satan's going to throw. Pray that about your life. Pray that about your family. Pray that for this church. Father, we thank you so very, very much for your word. And Lord, I pray tonight that if I have said or done anything contrary to what your word says, I ask your forgiveness. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, how it cuts, how it guides. Lord, I just can't even believe it sometimes, how good it is. Father, tonight I pray for this congregation that you'd help us to be who you want us to be, knowing that we have a real enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But Lord, thank you for being greater than he who is in the world. And so tonight, Lord, we pray for whatever the situation is, all for your glory. And I ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.